This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. I've got Graham Williams helping me out today. How are you doing, Graham? Doing really well. How are you? Awesome. Excellent. We have a fascinating show today. Mm-hmm. Later on in the program, we're going to learn about a new chip that's going to speed up Android phones to be even more competitive against Apple iPhones. Okay. Yes. The Avon lady is going digital. Ding dong. And we've got the story behind that. Did not know that the Avon lady still existed, but yes, that's the case. They're going after millennials now online. Oh, thank heavens. And we'll tell you how that all uh, shakes out. And of course, we will be talking about uh, Huawei and all the Huawei-ness that has been going on this week. (laughs) Those guys can't catch a break. Huawei for Huawei. Yeah, we'll uh, be talking with Brian Jackson over at IT World Canada. Excellent. All about that. Uh, let's talk about some of the, the news, the tech news uh, out there. I don't know if you saw this, uh, Graham. Uh, an Italian bioengineer has developed a 3D printed vegan steak from plant-based proteins. I am so in on this. All right. <laughs> I, I don't know if I could do that. Well, so they, they had the 3D printed uh, burger, which cost $300,000 for the first patty that they produced. Yeah. Uh, that was not including cheese. Um, so they've, they've gone ahead and they've got the price of that down. Now, that was actually using synthesized meat protein. They've got it down to about 15 bucks a patty. And, like, absolutely, I'm going to give this a shot. Uh, vegetable protein and being able to print a steak, if it's anywhere close, I'm, I'm excited about this. I mean, because when you take a look at the amount of greenhouse gases and the impact of eating meat on climate change, it's pretty significant. And that's not to say that we all need to stop eating meat, although it probably would be one of the most helpful things that we could do. Uh, Being able to source delicious things like steaks in a way that, you know, is obviously cruelty free. uh, It's it's vegan. I think that's pretty awesome. I would I would absolutely give this a try. I'm just curious as long as I can get barbecue sauce. You'll get barbecue sauce. Okay. So it's got uh, vegan ingredients like rice, peas, and seaweed, which provide the amino acids needed for a healthy diet. Uh, they're turned into a food paste uh, and then 3D printed to form a raw steak-like substance. Mm, sounds, food paste. Food paste. That sounds steak, delicious. Steak-like I'm substance. I'm salivating right now. <laughs> well, you know what? We're going to see more and more of this yeah. uh, in the coming year. So I'm, uh, I'm interested uh, to one day try this. You know, and that's the thing, I think, is not being squeamish about it and kind of giving it a shot. Uh, I think it's going to be important for all of us. Apple releases their new Bedit sleep tracker. Bedit is a, a company they acquired, a Finnish company, uh, back in 2017. Mm-hmm. Tell the listeners what Bedit is. So Bedit is a little small strip that plugs into power, um, goes underneath your sheets, and basically monitors your sleep. So it monitors how restless you are, uh, monitors the sounds that you make if you're snoring, and basically what it's doing is quantifying the type of sleep that you're having. Are you getting enough sleep? Uh, when are you entering REM sleep? And uh, being able to put that into the Apple Health app and share that with other apps so that you can start to get an idea of, are you sleeping enough and are you sleeping well? I've been using auto sleep mm-hmm. uh, on my Apple Watch, Yeah, which is cool. I, it's not like totally accurate, although I'm sleeping, who knows, right? <laughs> um, but it's, it's interesting. It kind of gives you a bit of a snapshot of how much you're sleeping during the night. Yeah. I, I and use... I'm, you know, I'm not sleeping well. <laughs> Those four hours of sleep are not doing it for you? No. Um, I used Sleep Cycle back in the day. And Sleep Cycle, you used to put your phone on the bed beside you, right? And uh, they actually, at one point, I think they recommended putting it under the pillow. And that thing would be 
hot Piping when you woke up in the morning. <laughs> it was a terrible idea. Uh, it now uses the microphone to monitor the room and monitor your sleep, so you can you can use that. But I was actually looking at getting a Bedit last year, and I saw they were acquired by Apple. So I figured that product would probably go away in favor of some Johnny Ive-designed, you know, machined aluminum version. Yes. Uh, but it looks like we've got a new version that has updated hardware and uh, updated software, so it looks like it's safe for me to pick one of these up for the holidays. It's called Bedit. Bedit. I didn't even know they bought them. Yeah. They're buying everything. They're buying, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've talked about the Amazon Go stores before. I visited one down in Seattle. These are these convenience stores. I think they've got a few of them now, one in New York City as well. Uh, You can go in. You have to scan in with your Amazon app. And once you're in there, you can grab everything you want, uh, chips, sandwiches, little prepared meals, whatever they've got. Some even have uh, beer and wine. And put it in your Amazon bag and just walk out of the store. There's no cashiers. It's like uh, kleptomania role play. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, it works like a charm because I tried to like hide things, mm-hmm. uh, but it got me and charged my Amazon account. Anyway, they're looking at potentially putting these in airports, which I think is actually probably a good place That's to put That's a smart them. idea. Yeah. Yeah. Very but, cool. You can sort of reach over and grab a $7 bag of chips, a $14 soda. Brilliant. I love it. Do you think this will work in like, like a Walmart though? I don't see why not. I mean, here's the thing is uh, the pictures that I've seen of these things, the the roof is bristling with cameras. I would imagine so. So, you know, I I mean, as long as you're comfortable with like every breath you take, every move you make, I'll be watching you. Yes. That's fine, right? That's a lot of cameras. Like think of a Walmart. I try not to. How big big that is. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, well, and so Walmart's actually, they've been doing some stuff with things like RFID. So it's not just camera-based, but for their own stock control, they were using NFC and RFID to track these things, where inventory is uh, in a given place, uh, in the warehouse, out on the floor. So we're already moving towards basically knowing exactly where a product is through its entire life cycle up until it gets to you as the consumer. Uh, so I don't see that this is actually, this is a, sort of a natural extension. I would, I would expect to see this in Walmarts. I would expect to see this in Best Buys. Uh, the challenge here is, you know, in the past, we have had uh, people who are there to help you out. Um, now, typically, those people are doing sort of menial things like processing you through the cash. Uh, wouldn't it be wonderful to have more people who will help you find product or carry products uh, or figure out if this thing is right for you? Uh, maybe taking away from that simple change counting job and actually providing maybe perhaps a little bit more value. Same money spent, but better experience for the consumer. That doesn't sound like a terrible thing to me. But there's got to be job losses when this, this technology is going to roll out and it will absolutely make, make no mistake yeah but that's what i'm saying is if you if you can save the money on the cashier maybe you can put more people on the floor and get they're, not gonna, they're not gonna put them on the floor what world are you living living in or it, dreaming of living in it's a bit of a utopia it is like that's their biggest cost can you imagine just think of I, sorry if i'm picking on walmart <laughs> but it just comes to mind if they could get rid of half their employees how profitable they would be and they would that's their dream. And the search of the almighty dollar. It is. I'm, it is. But you know who? You know who's feeling that? Mm. You and I. Yeah. I want cheap stuff. I'm okay paying a little bit more. Yeah, but you live like you live in the city. You never go to a Walmart. That's true. Yeah, you don't look like a Walmart guy. There is a Walmart I'm, in New I'm West. Out in, I'm out in South Surrey. We're going to Walmart. Yeah. Because yeah. they have cheap stuff. Yeah. And so I'm fueling that. I'm Fair fueling enough. all that. I, the, the, the thing, though, is I've, I've started to scale back on the things that I buy so I don't have to go into places like this. So I don't know. I'm, I'm torn. Uh, okay, like but are you, are, you, are, you, are you buying stuff on Amazon? 
Maybe. Yes. You're, it, see, you're killing all the brick and mortar stores. What's it to you? Yeah, you're, you're hurting everyone. <laughs> but you know who I am employing? Who? Delivery guys. Lots of them. Well, in the future, they're all gone, too, because they're going to be driverless cards. And drones. And drones. Sorry, guys. When we come back from the break, still a lot more here on Get Connected. We'll be talking about Huawei, the whole uh, tech angle there, and why it's important that uh, we care about what's happening. Uh, we'll also be sh- learning about uh, the new Android uh, phone chip that's coming up that's going to you know, maybe give Apple a run for its money. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Still lots more to talk about on today's program, but uh, I think the big story this week that we want to touch on is Huawei. They can't seem to uh, catch a break lately. They're one of the uh, largest uh, Chinese, uh, I guess, telecom uh, manufacturers out there. They make everything from smartphones to uh, higher-end network equipment for uh, 5G networks. Well, uh, just uh, this week here, one of their... uh, folks, uh, their CFO was actually arrested in Vancouver uh, to be extradited down to the U.S. On the line, we've got our friend Brian Jackson from IT World Canada to understand what's going on. Thanks for joining us, Brian. Happy to be here. What is going on? Uh, Huawei, a huge uh, Chinese tech company, they make fantastic uh, products, uh, but why are they taking so much heat right now? Yeah, so there's what's going on on the face of this, and that is that uh, the CFO of Huawei, Meng Wanzhou, she was arrested by uh, Canadian authorities when she was transiting through Vancouver earlier this month. And we're expecting her to show up in court tomorrow, but we may not learn more about what's happening in this case because there's actually a publication ban that she requested. So uh, interesting to know that um, she is also the daughter of Huawei's founder. So uh, the, the reason for the arrest is said to be related to Huawei's violation of a uh, trade embargo against Iran that the U.S. is imposing, and that's why they want her extradited. But in the background, there are all these other political uh, implications about this arrest because the U.S. has been banning Huawei's 5G telecom uh, equipment from operating in its territory for uh, many months now, and it's also encouraging its allies to do the same, and, and that seems to be working with New Zealand following through and, and, and taking up that call. And here in Canada, Huawei won't even attempt to um, go after government contracts, though it, it does work with carriers. So um, there's all of this telecom um, sort of drama that's unfolding behind this arrest. And, and, of course, we're seeing that markets are also taking a hit today because of the implications for trade and whether the U.S. and China can negotiate trade deals while uh, business people are being arrested like this. Well, I think that's difficult. Do you think it's all being tangled in with the trade deal, or are there bigger implications here? You know, with the 5G networks, you know, a lot of the security agents uh, agencies uh, from different countries around the world are, uh, you know, you know, ringing the alarm bell, saying, "No, we should not have this because uh, it will be bad." Uh, you know, from uh, you know a technical and espionage and spying perspective, uh, if it's being allowed to be integrated into the country there. 
Yeah, I mean, the uh, U.S. and Canada, they're members of what we call the Five Eyes Intelligence Sharing Country. And um, these, this group, they meet and they try to reach consensus on how to operate and what companies might be allowed to provide certain levels of equipment and network access into a country. Now, um, the U.S., like I say, has been really... Um, campaigning for Huawei to be prevented from entering into any of these Five Eyes countries. And the reason for that is the connection to the Communist Party. Now, if you if you ask Huawei or uh, China about this, they will repeatedly tell you that they're separate entities and there's no interference in Huawei's operations. But uh, when you look at the law in China and uh, Communist Party policy, it requires that any company based in China would be able to cooperate with uh, the government if it, uh, you know, basically if it decides that it's in the company's interests to uh, maybe spy on somebody, right? So when you're talking about governments and um, telecom equipment that could have um, the patented information of certain companies running over it, all sorts of proprietary information, uh, you really have to be careful and think twice about who has control over this and what will they do with the information. Do you really think they have the capability to spy on that information? Yeah, they have the capability. Um, I mean, we've seen this time and time again, right? Um, earlier this year, there was a realization that um, there was a Chinese company that was duplicating data and exporting it to China out of Canada. Uh, even within the U.S. years ago, you know, we saw Ed Snowden uncovered the sn- the. PRISM program, right? So uh, that was uh, duplication of internet traffic that was being routed through all these different um, traffic centers, these different hubs of the internet across America. So it's not tinfoil hat stuff to say that this is possible and can happen. Uh, We absolutely have to be uh, worried and vigilant about uh, government surveillance uh, from any government. And when you're talking about a government that might be in direct competitive interest with um, the United States or Canada and, and all of NAFTA, um, there's reason to be suspicious. Well, you know, from the U.S. perspective, isn't that, uh, you know, having them, uh, you know, be concerned about China calling uh, the pot calling the kettle black, essentially? Like, isn't the U.S. spying on their own citizens? Right. Uh, I mean, that was shown that they are, right? But yeah. um, for, I guess from the U.S. government's point of view, um, they, they, could, they say, look, if we want to spy on our own citizens, that, that's our business. <laughs> but um, we got to think about the economic uh, ramifications of this, too, right? If, if China can, um, ha- let's say that this is happening, just imagine that, it, that Huawei is a surveillance t- um, tool of the Chinese government. And, and certainly we don't know that. That hasn't been proven. But if we're speculating, and, and it's possible, then you would think that they would have access to all of the secrets coming out of Silicon Valley, for example. So uh, when Apple or or, uh, Google are creating their next innovation uh, and getting ready to bring it to market, could um, some sort of network access 
give them the opportunity to steal that and then beat them to the market and get all of the advantages of doing so. Definitely something to think about and be concerned about. What do you think from the Canadian perspective, though? You know, the U.S. uh, has banned uh, Huawei equipment uh, right down even to their smartphones. New Zealand, Australia, you know, are are banning the the network equipment. Do you think Canada will uh, follow suit? It'll be interesting to see, and um, there's been discussions, and the government has at least expressed some um, worry before, and I should say that uh, the Globe and Mail is the source of reporting on this, and they broke the story about the CFO being arrested, and back in the summer, they also reported on, um, you know, worries in the government that as high as uh, coming out of the Prime Minister's office, uh, worries that Huawei might, uh, working with Huawei might lead to surveillance and um, what are its connections to the Chinese government. And as I say, Huawei has already decided not to pursue government contracts in Canada. So they've written off that file um, in Canada, although they have a number of research partnerships with different universities, like um, the 5G Research Partnership at Carleton University, and they work with um, the Ontario government, um, or at least a an organization connected to the Ontario government, what we call the Centers of Excellence Network, and um, using 5G telecom equipment to provide testing to uh, companies that are trying to develop products that will make use of 5G connectivity. So things could get worse for Huawei in Canada, and I, I think the pressure is sort of on to make that happen. So it's something to keep our eye on. Talking with Brian Jackson from IT World Canada, all about Huawei and uh, the troubles uh, they're facing with some of the governments uh, around the world. Thanks for joining us today, Brian. Thanks for having me. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk here on Get Connected. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs, here on the Chorus Radio Network, back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. Still a lot more tech to talk, but uh, let's talk about the Avon lady right now. Do you remember the Avon lady? Would come to your house and uh, would sell uh, your uh, your mother all sorts of uh, different uh, types of perfumes and soap products and, and what have you. Well, the Avon lady's getting a digital makeover. On the line, we've got Megan Simpson from IT World Canada to explain what that is all about. Thanks for joining us, Megan. Thanks for having me, Mike. Are you old enough to know what an Avon lady is? I am. You know what? I don't remember them coming to my door specifically, but I do know of the Avon lady. I, my, my mom actually used to have the Avon lady come over. I remember, you know, every few weeks she would come by in her little car and come up to the house and uh, they would have tea together and my mom would buy all sorts of crazy stuff. Yeah, well, you know what? Now the Avon lady uh, is going digital and, and wants to reach out to more millennials and uh, people my age, I think, because they're going online and uh, on social media as well. So uh, I, I didn't even realize they were still in business, to be honest. How, how are they going to make this transformation? I mean, I don't think many millennials know who the Avon lady is. 
Yeah, that's totally fair. I don't think, you know, I've ever personally bought an Avon product, but essentially what they're doing is they're having a digital makeover. They have e-stores, you know, you think of e-commerce, Amazon, but just for Avon products and their makeup and that. Um, And they're having their representatives, instead of going door to door, they're on Instagram now, for example, or social media and their social media influencers, sorry, influencers who are reaching out to their customers that way. Wow. I'm reading here online that uh, they have over a million members of, uh, of uh, I guess, their sales team worldwide. Yeah. And a, That's crazy. Yeah. And apparently, yeah, 98% of those reps are already online, according to the uh, Canadian president I was talking to. Uh, so do they have to change their workforce? Uh, I imagine that uh, a lot of their workforce might be older. You know, we didn't get into that too much, but he said that most of the representatives, you know, are feeling good about going online and they've been receptive to it. Like like they said to me, 98% are already online and trying out these e-stores. Um, and, you know, it's an easier way too, right? You don't have to go door-to-door anymore. You can just um, reach out to people online and they can buy their stuff online and there's nothing you have to worry about. Do people want that being hassled online by the Avon lady? <laughs> You know what? Um, everything's online these days, right? Everyone yeah. uh, has, you know, orders online, gets it delivered to their front door. So I don't think it's a terrible idea. <laughs> uh, how were they doing business-wise? Did he, did he say anything about that? You know, they didn't want to share too much, but he, he did say it was going well. The marketing strategy ju- ju- did just come out this fall, so there's not really any big solid numbers on it that they were willing to share yet. But they're excited about it, and he says it's going well so far. We're talking with Megan Simpson from IT World Canada all about the Avon lady going digital. So uh, I guess if people want to get uh, some Avon products, they can go to the Avon website and find out more. They can, yep. Thanks for joining us today, Megan. Thanks for having me. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Egerbo here in studio. want to talk Facebook now, as we always seem to do every week. Uh, this is a story that uh, just broke. Uh, Facebook has used people's data to favor certain partners and punish rival- rivals. Documents show. This is uh, happening in the UK right now. The UK government uh, is actually investigating uh, Facebook. Uh, they've uncovered a number of documents over the past uh, few weeks uh, and are digging into uh, their behavior. And so this, uh, as far as time frame, uh, covers 2012 to 2015, uh, a period of uh, huge growth uh, for Facebook. Uh, and during that time, uh, they were found to have favored certain app developers. In this particular case, it was Netflix and Airbnb, basically giving them access to user data and cutting it off from their competitors. In studio right now, we've uh, got our uh, Get Connected Editor-in-Chief, Callie Reedwin. Thanks for coming on in, Callie. Thank you, Mike. So what do you make of uh, all of this? Uh, you know, Facebook is getting basically pummeled uh, you know, every week now. It's uh, you know, being shown that uh, uh, they were favoring certain uh, app developers. Um, you know, is this important? Is this a big deal? Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, when it comes to Facebook and the the talk around biases, the talk around um, using user data, usually my response to that is, yep, so? <laughs> I think There's no such thing as a free lunch. We're getting, we're getting right. Facebook for free. They have to make money. That's right. They, they are a business, and I think that people forget that this is a business. And Facebook has the same responsibility as any business to, be, to make the good decisions um, that impact their, their stakeholders positively. But I think that 
that people kind of lose sight and um, the discussion around bias, around fake news, around all of these things are forgetting the core part of this of everything, which is that Facebook is a business and can make those decisions. And the users of their free, by the way, service um, shouldn't have a we should have some say in, of course, how our user, user data is used, I suppose, but you already clicked that away when you became a Facebook user. So I, I kind of feel like these conversations are a bit irrelevant. So all the moral outrage happening right now with Facebook in general, uh, you know, with their biases, you know, not dealing with fake news, and now this coming up that they're giving preferential treatment to certain developers, um, in, in your opinion, uh, I mean, what do you expect is what you're saying. Yeah, it, what, what do you expect? You, you agreed the, to the terms and conditions of using this platform. Um, they use this data. They, they might have a bias towards organizations like Airbnb or Netflix. It makes a lot of sense strategically to, to include those ones um, on behalf of Facebook because of their usership and because of all of the data we've been giving all of those platforms about our likes and preferences. It's a really natural fit in my mind. But... But ultimately, the coming back to the yep, so um, but I, could, you, I, could, I couldn't figure out why the the UK was was stressing over this. And if if I uh, could it be anti competitive? Uh, you know, do I'm, they're so big now? Do they not have an uh, a moral and ethical responsibility to behave at a different level? I mean, they are like the de facto standard for social media sites out there. I mean, you, you almost have to be on this, or you're a nobody. <laughs> And I know, you know, everyone's yeah. laughing at me right now. You don't have to be on <laughs> Facebook, but yeah, you kind of do now. Yeah, if you want to be connected to the, you know, your friends and family. Yeah, I think I think that um, that all businesses should be socially responsible, ideally, but that they're they're under no essentially not not under any contract to do so. They're going to do what's in the best interest of their stakeholders. Yeah, but I think, you know, a lot of governments are saying otherwise now. Mm. You know, we've seen with the Cambridge Analytica, you know, scandal. Mm-hmm. Uh, now now this, the UK government just keeps unearthing more and more information as they dig through uh, documents uh, related to their uh, their business. They're basically, you know, calling for regulation of mm-hmm. uh, Facebook and, and large uh, media empires like that because they do wield a lot of power. Yeah. We saw with the last election uh, how, uh, you know, they weren't on top of that, and uh, maybe the election was swayed one way down the U.S. to mm-hmm. favor Trump. That that could be, and I think that it's worth paying attention to how advertising functions and and how that whole process functions, really. So, for example, a great example was the elections with the fake news thing. The, the people who are putting up the fake news are companies that have created that content to serve their purpose, and then they have paid as advertisers to put that on the platform. So technically, really, they're no different than any other businesses or, or organizations that are advertising for their cause. Uh, but, they're, but they're advertising false information. For sure. And I think that the false information thing and removing fake news um, is is absolutely something necessary. I think that that's, that's the best way to go about it. But, but on the other hand, it's... Um, it, we have to recognize that it's not Facebook putting out that information. It's the users of Facebook putting out that information. And then they'd have to go and fact check every piece of user content. So it, this, And you're saying that's impossible. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it is 
very difficult, and they, they do they they're doing their best, I think, with with um, all of the monitoring of content and changing their policies, as as such a large organization has to do. The policy change takes a little while. But a lot of people say that they've been arrogant about it because you know when that first mm-hmm. was kind of breaking, they I think they pushed back, saying you know this isn't a problem, mm-hmm. uh, you know we're we're monitoring this. But I think as it kind of blew up, uh, they realized that uh, no, they didn't really have a handle on it. Yeah, that's fair. I think that um, from a public relations perspective, that was a, a massive issue, obviously. And, and I think that they they didn't um, do anything about it before then because it wasn't brought up. And that's just the way the process works. You, so you buy until, advertising, you, until you, you get caught for doing crappy stuff. Yeah. And I mean, I had, I had lots of um, interesting experiences with Facebook over the years. I remember when... The, those big changes happened in, in uh, like between 2012 and 2015, and and the the back end of it is is not perfect, and I and I get that, but sometimes they catch content that doesn't break any rules at all, doesn't break any laws, doesn't do anything, but they refuse to let it on there on the on the platform. Yeah. So for example, um, I was working as a consultant for a cannabis education company and I was, and it was, this was important for public health. And I was working back and forth with Facebook to ensure that our ads were in compliance with their terms and conditions, which included no advertising of illicit substances, which made sense. But I was advertising for education about something that isn't illicit, yeah, <laughs> and and yet it was it was still under those th- that term that I couldn't advertise. So it there's it's not perfect, and I don't think that it ever will be. Talking with Kelly Reedwin uh, from our Get Connected team about Facebook and their moral responsibility. You're saying they have a responsibility to be a business. I, I would suggest I think they have a larger responsibility, but Fair we'll enough. have this conversation uh, again. <laughs> I'm sure next week because they're going to do something crappy again by by then. (laughs) When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. We'll uh, be finding out uh, about uh, a fast new chip for Android phones that'll uh, maybe put them ahead of uh, iPhones. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio. Well, uh, we can't live without our smartphones anymore. They're basically tiny, powerful computers in our pockets uh, like... Computers, though, they're also uh, run by powerful processors. To understand how that all works and uh, a new one that's uh, coming out in the market, we've got Tom Lee, our tech uh, expert uh, on the line. Thanks for joining us, Tom. Oh, thank you for having me. Uh, so this is interesting. Uh, Apple, uh, you know, many people might not know, they actually make their own uh, processors uh, for their smartphones and, and iPads and what have you. Um, and uh, for Android phones, there's a number of companies that uh, make the uh, the chips uh, for those. And uh, uh, a new one coming out uh, is uh, from Qualcomm called the Snapdragon. Tell our listeners what that's all about. Yeah, so um, good point on the Apple, actually. So... Currently, the three major chips out there are um, the Qualcomm Snapdragons, the Apple A12, and the um, Huawei Kirin 980. Um, so Apple and Kirin, they are both on smaller transistors, 7 nanometer, and shrinking the transistor improves power efficiency, improves uh, performance. And now Qualcomm, with the release of Snapdragon 855, is also going on, uh, going jumping on that ship. So... Uh, this new chip is supposed to bring a 45% performance jump in compute performance and then 20% jump 
in uh, graphics performance, all the while reducing power consumption. It's really cool, and it has a bunch of new features like AI and uh, camera enhancement, camera enhancements, and stuff like that. Well, it's interesting. I mean, you know, the smartphone uh, market is a very competitive space. Obviously, Apple uh, is a, a big player out there, but uh, there are a lot of Android uh, handset manufacturers. Is this a chip they've been waiting for to compete against Apple as far as power? Oh, yes, absolutely. So Snapdragons have been kind of lagging performance relative to Apple. Um, they're really looking to uh, gain some ground back with the Snapdragon 855. And you, you talked about some of these new features, um, like the, uh, the, the camera enhancements. So what's that all about? Yeah, so the camera, it, regardless of what lens and uh, sensor you use, relies on a piece of technology called the image sensing processor, which is built into these chips. And uh, with, a new, with a new one in the Snapdragon 855, the new one's called Spectra 380, um, you get accelerated like compute vision and vastly reduced power consumption in, when calculating image data, and uh, this enables things like capturing images at high resolution, higher frame rates in videos at high resolution, and stuff like that. So, you know, cameras are really important focus for smartphones, and I think this is a good jump so you uh, talk, in performance. You talked about reduced power consumption. Does this mean that it will help uh, increase the battery life of uh, smartphones? Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of people shoot videos, and uh, capturing these videos drain a lot of power. And a lot of it does come from processing the images you capture from the sensor. Uh, so, yeah, making this portion more efficient can prolong battery life, which means, hey, more videos. More, cool. more videos. Uh, <laughs> were there some other specific features you, you thought uh, stood out? Oh, yeah, absolutely. One of the biggest ones is actually 5G. So in 2019, I think a lot of companies are going to integrate 5G modems into their phones uh, for future-proofing for when the network actually deploys. So um, 5G isn't mainstream yet. So what Qualcomm is doing is that it's taken the 5G modem out of its processor and uh, having it as a separate chip. So companies can integrate them into their phones separately as a, as a module. So this will save, com this will save some cost, uh, add some flexibility. And the, the chip will still come with an excellent 4G LTE modem. It also has been updated to uh, increased performance, increased throughput, and uh, higher power efficiency. Well, it's interesting you talk about 5G. That's the next network technology coming out after 4G, which we're all using uh, right now. Uh, I've read uh, some reports uh, online about Apple not uh, releasing their 5G iPhone until, uh, you know, at least 2020. You know, it's about two years away. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I heard about that, too. So, um, I mean, it doesn't really matter when they integrate these modems into the phones, it's all about when the network is going to deploy. I mean, I, I think we're still a ways away from having, you know, everyone transitioning to uh, 5G networks. So uh, I don't see the delay on the iPhone as a, as a huge hindrance to Apple. I think they understand the timing very well. We're talking with Tom Lee. He's from IT World Canada, all about uh, the new Snapdragon processor from Qualcomm to uh, speed up uh, the next generation of Android phones in uh, the coming years. Thanks for joining us today, Tom. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me again. That's all the time we have left for Get Connected. Don't forget to listen to our sister show, The App Show, every Sunday here on CKNW as well from 10 till 11 in the morning.
This is Mike Agarbo signing off for Get Connected. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.